learning to be grateful because you take things for granted. You know, you think like I had hand surgery and I couldn't button my own pants. Mm-hmm. I forgot how nice it is to be right. able to put my own pants. Like those little things and really living a life of being grateful for all of the small stuff. Yeah. All the small stuff is worth it. Hello and welcome to the Healing and Dealing Podcast. I am your host, Charlotte, and I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Through a trauma-informed lens, we will navigate healing through conversation and connection while learning tools to embody our transformation and make lasting changes in our lives. We will cover relatable topics and discuss various modalities to put into action and ignite change. This podcast will have incredible guests who will share their story and provide proof that even in the darkest times, there is light waiting for us. If you landed here, it's for a reason. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Healing and Dealing podcast. Today, I'm so excited. I have Marissa Gert with us. She is co-founder of Peace Lily Financial Coaching. She is a dedicated spiritual financial coach with a strong foundation in accounting. With her unique blend of financial expertise and spiritual insight, she guides individuals on a transformative journey towards financial peace and alignment with their deeper purpose. Driven by her own spiritual awakening and a desire to integrate her knowledge of accounting with her spiritual beliefs, Marissa embarked on a new path as a spiritual financial coach. She recognized the profound impact that spirituality can have on one's relationship with money and saw an opportunity to help bridge the gap between their financial goals and their inner values. Marissa's ultimate goal as a financial coach is to empower individuals to cultivate a healthy relationship with money, unlock their financial potential, and create lives of abundance, purpose, and fulfillment. Through her unique combination of financial expertise and spiritual wisdom, she is committed to helping clients embark on a transformative journey towards financial peace and alignment within their true selves. Hi, Marissa. Hi, how are you? I'm doing so good. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. I feel like it's something that is a part of healing journeys that is just not spoken about often. So not only, you know, people coming from trauma or, or, you know, healing through past experiences that they've gone through, but just within their family system, even if you don't have trauma, you know, really navigating money and looking at how you grew up around money, what your limiting beliefs are around money. It's just all so important and such a unique way of looking at healing. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us. And let's just kind of jump right in. Let's tell the listeners, you know, what brought you to this space? And I know you're, you've been an accountant for a long time, but now you're also on a spiritual journey. So let's hear it. Yeah. You know, money obviously was in my life from a young age. We, all grow up with different perspectives on money. I was very fortunate. I grew up with money. My dad worked very hard. Uh, My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And we had a beautiful house. We always had food that was never seeming to be a problem. Mm. You know, so we were taught a little bit about money, but it wasn't spoken about. It was like the unspoken word of the house that was never discussed. Dad handled the money mom took care of the kids, bottom line. And I was very fortunate when I hit my teens, I had a great job. I was managing a restaurant very young and really bringing in a lot of money, but I didn't know what to do with it. 
So I was out buying, you know, name brand jeans at $300 a pop and was like, I don't care. Like <laughs> mm -hmm. I can't, I don't have anything that I need the money for. Right. I, you know, I had a car, I had a house <clears throat> and I didn't need anything. And it was all about what I wanted to do. And I went to beauty school. We paid cash for beauty school. And I just kind of was like, yeah, this is life. Like, it's easy. I don't see yeah. what the problem is. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, then my parents separated. And I would hear my mom talk about money. And she was always scared and really freaking out. So that that panic and that scarcity mindset really started in my late teens. So when I was around 18, 19 years old, that the money is not always going to be there. Right. But I had that on one side. And the other side was like, I have all this money. It doesn't matter. Like I can bring in $2,000 in one night. It's mm -hmm. fine. It's always going to be there. So I started my career doing hair and I was determined that I was going to rent my own chair and the clients were just going to come to me and I was going to just be the best thing in the world and it didn't matter and the money was always going to be there. But a lot of money went into that. Mm -hmm. And quickly I dwindled away what I had in savings and I started really living that paycheck to paycheck lifestyle for the first time ever. And it was hard. And all the words that were coming out of my mom's mouth were now inside my head. Like, right. what am I going to do? What's going to happen? Where's this money going to come from? I can't buy this. I can't have this. I'm not worth this. Mm -hmm. And it really just like tore myself down. And so over the years in my young 20s, it my finances really fluctuated. I would do really good for a while. And then I would do really terrible. And I went through a lot of changes. And I had my first son when I was 22. And realized I had no money to stay home. Yeah, didn't know what to do. I became very reliant on my son's father. And I really realized how much I didn't like that feeling of like, I need to ask you if I need to get a cup of coffee. I need to right. ask you if I can buy a bottle of nail polish, like mm -hmm. buy my son diapers. I couldn't buy his food. I had to ask somebody else to do it. And our relationship was rocky from the beginning. So it created a whole other like insight that yeah. a lot of people have financial traumas from a very young age where mine started older, which is still common, but not as common. Most mm -hmm. of it's very embedded from childhood, right? You know, really that like ages kind of like five to 11, they really absorb that type of information. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was one of those things that some, for whatever reason I knew inside, like I've been here before I can do it again. I can get out of this. Mm -hmm. I did. And I kept going through that. And then I had more kids and more kids and here I am with four <laughs> <laughs> and with all the kids, I ended up doing a really hard transition in work. And I actually went into accounting and really learned how to read finances, read the financial, like the statements and do cash flow management, budgeting, things like that, and really incorporated that into my life. But there was still a really big chunk missing. And I ended up going through a costly custody battle. And spent a lot of time living in hotels and having to eat out with four kids. Wow. 
and we turned to credit cards because I was on the road so much that I wasn't working. So the money was flying out way faster than it was coming in. Mm-hmm. A one income household, primarily as a family of six. Yeah. Very difficult. <clears throat> and traveling, you know, across states to live in hotels was just, we couldn't do anything. And it was this horrible weight that, you know, seeing the credit card statements, knowing these bills were due, it was always just panic. And it was so dysregulating in my body. And it took a lot. It, I wasn't grasping, like I needed to change the way I was looking at this. Yeah. I was just sitting in this ugly space of like, I have to work. I have to work. I mm-hmm. can't do this. I'd be sitting in a hotel and I'd be so frustrated with my kids. Cause I'm like, I have to work. I need to sit on this little tiny laptop and do work. And you need to sit over there quietly. Yeah. Our boys aren't quiet. Yeah. Especially in a tiny confined space, right? Yeah. You know, there was no like go outside, run around. Like it was scary. And I finally just stopped and I looked at it and was like, this is the decision that I'm making to give my family what they deserve. Mm. Like this is worth it. The debt will go away. Yeah. This is temporary, but we're going to live the life that we deserve and the life we want to live. And I really had to work on changing that mindset. Mm-hmm. And then I was working one day and going through emails and I had a email pop up from Dave Ramsey that was just like, Hey, have you ever thought about being a financial coach? Like come to this free program. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like an hour meeting and learn some more about like my finances and what I can do. And Dave Ramsey is a huge name. Like yeah. he has to know something. Mm-hmm. And so I went did this like virtual meeting and listen to people's stories and listen to some of his coaches talk. And by the end of it, I was in tears. Yeah. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be an accountant. I'm supposed to like help people with their money, not just tell beautiful. Screwing up their money. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it was really intense. And I called Laurel, who's my partner and was on the phone with her and just crying. And I was like, I, I have to do this. I need to go through a financial coaching program. I, I want to do this, mm-hmm. but I can't afford it right now. Mm-hmm. And she knew the whole situation going on with the kids and like my living situation back and forth. And she's like, you know what? Sign up, put it on my credit card. I'll pay for it. Wow. And instantly in my body, like I know that that was the universe being like, Hey, mm-hmm. we got you. Yeah. Like, this is, this is what you have to do. Those moments are incredible when someone just comes in and yeah. you're just, just like, like, wow. Like nothing. She's like, I got you. Take the <laughs> card, like big deal. Do the program. Mm-hmm. So I did this program and you know, it takes people a long time. I've got a binder of stuff that I printed. I typed out notes. I think I printed a, it's like 45 page document of all the notes that I took during the program. Wow. I did my certification in a few weeks and just was like, I'm not done. Mm-hmm. I you still had that pull. Something was something missing. Yeah. And, you know, Dave Ramsey has a lot of great information, but it didn't align with my values. Mm-hmm. So I was able to take that, incorporate a little bit from, you know, everything in the accounting firm doing that for years, but there was still something more that needed to happen. And I really just started like 
stepping outside and sitting outside and like, what is missing here? Why does, does it not feel good right now? Yeah. Like, I know this is where I have to be. And I talked to a few people that I knew and it all just kind of fell in my lap to go through this somatic coaching program. And as that started, I realized that my strong beliefs were not that you can get a quick fix on fixing your finances. I don't mm-hmm. believe that you should sell your car. I don't believe you need to sell all your furniture in your house to pay off your debt. Mm-hmm. I believe that you need to heal inside to be able to heal your entire finances. They, the, yes. the mind and the body have so much to do with what we bring in on the outside. Yes. So, so well-spoken. Yeah. Just learning to really incorporate that and incorporating so many different techniques through the somatic coaching and really just bringing it all together has been such a beautiful process, not only for myself, but for the people that I've got to share that with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where we are just really keep, keep helping people heal from the inside out and really live that life of prosperity. Yeah. And just so everyone's aware, Marissa and I are both in the Quantum Ripple Effect Institute Institute program. And so we're almost done. We're, I think, like just two weeks away from getting our certification. So we have gone through the last six months together, which has been really awesome. We've had in-person events where we've got to meet, which was great. And as soon as I met you, I connected. Like I knew we had a connection that could grow for sure. And um, we started talking about money and, and I was sharing with her, you know, my past traumas around money and how from a really young age, it was just, there's not enough. It's, you know, we can't pay the bills. And my mom was very open about talking about how broke she was all the time in front of me. And then there were things that would happen, you know, like lights would be shut off or we wouldn't have a car for a long period of time or, you know, car would break down and we can't fix it because we don't have the money or, you know, just like growing up, all these experiences happen. You're like, we, there's not enough. There's not enough. I'll never have money. I'll never have money. I'll always be poor. So these limiting beliefs were always inside of me. And it wasn't until just recently, I kind of always knew the one thing I did learn though, is that everything always works out. So even when you're broke, you have 20 bucks to your name or say your mom had no money for us, it always worked out. There was always, when there's a will, there's a way. And that that really carried on into my adulthood. So my, my husband grew up the same way. And so we're always like, all right, like, you know, years ago when, when I wasn't working and we were single income family, it was like, we have no money. Like, what are we going to do? You know? And um, we would always just tell each other it's going to work out. You know, our moms did it. We can do it. And we just trusted the universe. And for some reason, it would always work out. Something would happen. Money would come in from somewhere or, you know, some we were able to make payments on something that we were super worried about, you know. So I love that you have this kind of dichotomy belief of you grew up with money not being an issue and there was an abundance of it. You didn't have to worry about paying bills. And then, you know, as you grew older, you started hearing these things from your parents or from your mom, especially, and, and how money was scarce in her life at that time. So you have a, this beautiful knowledge on both sides, which I think is why you're so great at serving your clients and connecting with them because you can understand both perspectives. What would you say are like some of the main things that you did to work on your money mindset and like change the way you thought about money? I think a bit of it 
you know, was really just stop panicking just so hard, you know, Mm -hmm. like anybody can say that because it's not about only what comes out of our mouth. It's what we're saying to ourselves and our subconscious brains. Yes. A lot of people, you know, and even I, like I grew up with money, Mm -hmm. but we didn't consider ourselves rich people and we weren't rich. We were well off, but we were not rich. So even as a kid, you know, I'd be like, oh, mom, I want this stupid balloon, right? Like, I don't know. And she's like, Mm -hmm. if it was your money, would you spend it? Mm. Well, obviously you don't need it. Like, (laughs) that's for people that have money to throw away. And I was like, oh, "Oh, okay. Like, I, I don't get that. You know, and then I had very good friends that grew up in very hard households. Mm-hmm. And one of my best friends, she grew up in a foster care home. And it was a constant, like, we're not rich. Money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. And I hear her parents say stuff like that. And I was like, get it. <laughs> like, I, no shit, it doesn't grow on trees, but it's made out of trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, teenage girl here. I was like, no, you're dumb. But once I went through the struggles on my own and realized like as a kid, my family used money to show our worth. I realized that money isn't your worth. It doesn't matter if you have money or you don't have money matters who you are. And I stopped needing to show people that I could live this life. I stopped needing to need to prove myself and it stepped away from some of that embedded like you only can do it if you already have the money Mm -hmm. and a lot of it was just reframing and then sitting to see how it made me feel like you go to the grocery store and you can buy this ten dollar pack of ramen Mm -hmm. and buy this you know what four dollar pack of ramen that has 20 more in it Mm -hmm. which one feels better to buy And where do I feel that, you know? And like, for me, I feel everything in my sacral, my stomach and like, yeah, me too. So it's like, if I'm in the grocery store and I grab something and my stomach is like, "Mm, I'm going to put it back because it doesn't feel good. And that's okay. Also to realize that not everything feels good. And sometimes, you know, uh, something recently Laurel and I were discussing was during the summer here, I have an electric house. I live in Arizona. Mm-hmm. My electric bill skyrockets. That AC is running. I go from about $150 a month to close to $300. Mm-hmm. It does not feel good to pay $300 for electricity. Right. But then I get to see my kids and they're happy and they're playing. And I had to really stop and think like, it may not feel good to put the money out. And that's okay to, to know that and just don't stay there. But okay. you also have to look at it as... I have a house that has air conditioner. Yeah. My kids are safe. They're cold. They, you know, not cold, but they're cold. (laughs) (laughs) Like we have cool water. There's food in this house. Like, and really being grateful that I had the ability to pay that bill. Yeah. hundred percent. I, it's all about reframing your language. I love that because people sometimes get caught up in just like, oh my gosh, the bills, the bills, but look like you're saying, look at this beautiful house that you have that your kids are in that they're safe in and and they don't have to sweat and overheat, you know? Yeah. And you have the luxury, I would call it, of, you know, having AC and being able to pay that bill. Yeah. And that that. was a big thing for us was really learning and, 
you know, we, you, you drive to the other side of town and there's tents on the side Mm -hmm. of the road. It's 115 degrees outside. Wow. Like, can you imagine living permanently in the tent? You know, I cannot. But that can be miserable too, but like to live and to need to find water in the desert. Yeah. And we just really learned like, it doesn't mm-hmm. always feel good and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you can't just shove that feeling away because that's not healthy either. Like you need to sit with that feeling and be like, okay, it's okay to feel like this, but now let's remember why we're here and, yeah. I, have this, and I get to do this and I get to provide this. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have kids, just doing it for yourself, yeah, for your partner, for your pet, it doesn't matter we just have to reframe that brain of like, sometimes it's shitty, but I still have the opportunity to have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because I handle paying all the bills at our house and it, even though I, I hate the money going out, it feels good. Mm-hmm. Like even, even if, you know, I'm left with not a lot, I'm like, yes, all my bills are paid. I'm finally at that place in my life where I can't, I don't have to stress about it. I can pay my bills and not have this like really stressed out feeling afterwards, you know, where's the next money or just like waiting for that paycheck to come back, you know, like I can make it now to the next paycheck. So it just feels so much better. And it it took us a long time to get to that place. You know, I totally get what you're saying about how you have to sit with it and feel it in your body. And because I feel like for so long, it was more of like a fight or flight mode, protection mode with money. And there was never any calming of the nervous system around money. It was always just immediate cortisol stress. And now it's more, and it's funny because the more calm I am about money, the more money comes in. Yes. Because you're allowing it. When you are panicking and you are freaking out over say $200. Okay. And $200 doesn't go super far in this world anymore, but it's still a good amount of money. And when we're panicking about $200 and not knowing what to do, why would somebody walk in and say, okay, so what are you going to do with $2,000? That's so true. Why should I give you more to panic about? Mm-hmm. If, if this, this amount is so scary, this amount has to be more scary. Yeah. So we have to allow ourselves to just be like, okay, I got this and it's going to work. And you know, I'll put a little bit on this bill and a little bit on that bill this month. And then mm-hmm. next month I'll be able to pay it. And I just, it's going to happen. And really just driving that in and letting our body feel that it is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Continue to tell your body it's not going to, it never will. Right. You have to believe it's going to happen and feel like you're already there. Your bills are already paid and it feels amazing. And yeah, it's, it's manifesting in some sense, you know, so yeah, I'm curious, you said something about, you know, your worth and how it, a lot of people tie it to how much money they have. And I feel like my husband is kind of like that. He's a little more, um, I don't know, like, I I don't want to say keeping up with the Joneses type, but he, he definitely cares about what we look like from the outside. And I'm really not like that. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, what people think, you know, like I'm not one that does any name brand clothes probably because I never could afford it before. So now it's like, I really don't care. But um, for him, something in his childhood ties his worth to 
the money that he has or like the car that he drives, the house that he lives in. And I just think that's interesting. And especially with social media, you know, everyone is comparing all the time, you know, and that's got to be so hard to deal with when you you do have a scarcity mindset. So how like can you think of a way that to really like what's a better way to look at your worth? Like you said, the, the person that you are, but for someone who really cares about materialistic things is what would you tell that person if they if that's what they tied their worth to? I mean, I would kind of ask them. So if it was like clothes, right? You know, we've got, you can buy a flannel at Walmart. Mm-hmm. You can buy a Dixon. You can buy a Pendleton. Mm-hmm. Which one feels the best? And does it matter? Like if you didn't have the tags on, if you couldn't see the brand on any flannel, which one feels good to put on? Can you tell wow. the difference? I love that. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Can you actually tell the difference between them? And yeah, sometimes you can. And I yeah. know I have every type of flannel there is. And so I know, yeah, like my Pendletons, they're real wool and they're warm and mm-hmm. what but I, you know, my favorite <laughs> flannel of my husband bought it for him at Walmart for 10 bucks. Why do I need to spend 70? And does it feel good to spend <clears throat> 70 bucks to have the little label on it that says Dixon right. or whatever brand? Like, does that label matter? What looks good on you? What makes you feel good? I love that. And really just looking at that, you know, I buy my clothes and, you know, things wherever. Like, I don't care personally. My favorite like champagne per se mm-hmm. is $8. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I used is. to drink, I didn't discriminate. I would, I would drink, drink cheap stuff too. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it just like, if I were to close <clears> my <throat> eyes and just sit with it, how does it feel? Does it feel any different? No. Yeah. I feel like for my husband, it does. I think he really yeah. does get a feeling in his body. And yeah. I don't know. I I, I know in the Mexican culture, he's told me like they tend to kind of like to show off and be flashy. And, and he said it's really it's been embedded in him since he was young. You know, you don't want to look you don't want to be embarrassed in front of people, the neighbors, how they look at you, your friends, how they look at you. So and I've I've been in that situation before I just I dated and lived with a lot of Hispanic people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember the big parties, the, you know, they lived on a farm and we mm-hmm. had parties in the backyard and everybody shows up in their fancy alligator boots and their good hat, <laughs> yes. you know, fancy belts and all this shit. And it's, and it's great and it's fun, but sometimes you have to sit and think about the little kid inside you, whether yeah. it's that little girl, that little boy, how does that that child feel? What made them feel that way? Mm-hmm. And maybe all that little kid inside of us needs is to know, like, it's okay. Right. You can wear whatever. And it, it doesn't matter. Like, and really, and it's real hard to kind of step away from that judgment. But when you stop judging other people, mm-hmm. stop caring what people are judging mm-hmm. you for. Yeah. And 100%. that's hard. You know, we're raised in a world of judgment. Yeah. We're judged from the second you come out of the womb. Mm-hmm. Your mom's judged from the second she had you. Mm-hmm. you no, know, it just, we're, we're judged on everything. And I do think social media has made this worse. Yeah. I struggle a lot with social media because I, I don't want my kids on it, but also like, I don't want my kids to be the weird kids that like can't right. do anything. <clears throat> yep. Um, 
But I think really learning that and, and working with children and then working with ourselves too, because sometimes working with the kids on like, it's okay to not wear the name brand. It's okay to not have the biggest, fanciest car. Like yeah. if you get from point A to point B, it doesn't matter how you did it, mm-hmm. you did it and then celebrate that you did it. Yeah, like, exactly. Sometimes I find some of my healing has come from breaking those patterns with my kids yep. and being able to sit with them and like talking to them and being like, Hey, like, we don't do this because not everybody lives the way we do. And that's okay. Some people have a much more beautiful life and some people have a much harder life doing that with my kids made an impact on me. And it allowed me to see like, when I was a kid, like everybody around us was like us, maybe they right. weren't the color as us, but we all lived a similar life. And exposing ourselves to different situations, I think is really important because we can see and feel how other people live or feel and allowing yourself to kind of sit with their feelings a little bit and not take them in. You don't want to absorb other people's traumas and things Mm -hmm. like that, but being open to knowing that feeling. Yeah can help. Cultural is hard and there's a lot of work and there's a lot of different things that you can do to work through those generational items and mm-hmm. and just really learning to accept yourself wholeheartedly. Yes. And you know, you did it. You got from A to B. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I think it's interesting because our older boys who are 21, 19 and 16, they've really seen our transformation when it comes to money. And, you know, when they were little, we lived in, when me and Henry first moved in together, we uh, had five kids, like we adopted his niece and nephew, and we were in this little three bedroom and my niece had to have her own room. And so we had four boys in one room and like the bunk beds were like touching, you know, and we talk about that sometimes because we're just in such a different place now. And, you know, we had, I had like a 1995 Honda Civic at the time and, you know, was serving tables and in college. And now, you know, we, I just bought my first brand new car, you know, a few months ago. So the older ones are always like, it's not fair. The the younger ones, like they get this awesome life because you guys finally have your careers and, um, you know, nice cars. And, and I'm always telling them, but it built character in you. Like you understand now, you know, what it's like to struggle a little bit. And now you can see with hard work and, and believing that, you know, you're going to make it and you're going to make something of yourself. That's what me and your dad did. And, you know, now you see what we have. We're not well, well off by any means. We're we're making it. We have a nice house. We're supporting our kids and our family and chasing our dreams. But, you know, we still want to go much higher and we, we still have big dreams to keep going. So and I'm that's beautiful. Always to, have dreams. Yeah. But also remember like your life right now is somebody's dream life. Oh my gosh, Marissa, I literally thought of that the other day. I swear yeah. I was I you know what I was thinking because I always practice gratitude and it's, it's even, you know, when I'm meditating in the morning, I'm just so thankful for this carpet beneath me and these walls around me and this roof, you know, and I'll try to get really specific on those small things. And when I'm driving to work, it's like, oh, I'm so thankful I ha- I was able to buy this car and it gets me safely from point A to point B. And I thought back to when I was just in such a terrible place and thought, oh, I'm never going to have money to get a car. And 
And I just, you know, just thinking of like this version of myself that I always wanted to be. And, and I had that thought. I was like, I'm there. Like, I'm actually what I was dreaming to be, yeah. when, you know, 10 years ago. And even like the littlest things, like being a mom who gets up and gets ready in the morning and, you know, gets her kids off to school. I used to dream about doing that, right? I don't know why it was just one of my like things that thought once I do this, I'm like a successful person, you know, one of these beliefs inside my head. And and I have to stop myself sometimes because I'm like, all right, I'm doing that. I am where I wished I was years ago and yeah. really embrace that moment and like really enjoy it and embody it. So that's great advice. It's, you know, I think, again, it comes back to that reframing. It it's does. If... If you're always chasing the next thing, like I'm, you're, you're almost going back to that, like, I'm not worthy for this. Right. And as long as you're pushing, like, you can always want more. Mm-hmm. Make you greedy. It doesn't make you a bad person. Right. It's the limit. You can have anything you want and the universe has it to give to you. Yes. But sometimes we do have to stop and look like, where did we come from? Mm-hmm. And maybe you've always done great. Some people are always going to have a really pretty path. So maybe it's stopping and looking at like, you know, these people from my life or mm-hmm. them. Like, and yeah. really learning to be grateful because you take things for granted. You know, you think like, like I had hand surgery and I couldn't button my own pants. Mm-hmm. I forgot how nice it is to be able right. to wear own pants, like those little things and really living a life of being grateful for all of the small stuff. Yeah. All the small stuff is worth it. And yeah. you know, it really does make a difference and celebrating all of the little things that you do along the way is so important. And it's just, it opens you up for more. Yeah. It's, I love what you said that even if you did grow up with money, you really didn't have any, you know, issues or these big negative beliefs around it to look outside of yourself. And that's why sometimes I'll take my seven-year-old, like, or if we're driving and I'll, you know, people are intense on the street and I'm like, look, this is how they live. And really trying to show her that perspective, you know, and make her grateful and not entitled, right? Because like this new, this generation of kids that we're raising, like we're all trying to break the cycle and provide and be like these, you know, awakened parents, right? But in the midst, we're trying to teach them also, you know, not to be entitled and to be grateful for what you have. So it's like this balance, right? And um, having your kids experience other cultures Mm -hmm. and other, you know, socioeconomic environments, putting them there. It's even for my oldest, we took, we sent him to Cathedral Catholic, which is a pretty rich high school in our area. It might be the richest one, right? So our son went there. He's black and Mexican and white. So he was the minority for sure. He was around a bunch of white kids that were very, very rich driving like $100,000 cars to school. And he was able to acclimate himself in there and make friends with everyone. And it, it just gave him this whole new perspective that, wow, look at all these kids, like their parents are these huge business owners or, or their house is like a mansion and it has a movie theater. And he, his whole world opened up that all of this is possible. So I think it just takes those experiences of seeing more and seeing less to really understand the spectrum and where you fall, you know? 
Absolutely. And I think that's where it is so important to talk to your kids. Right. You know, there's, there's levels of conversation that like, we don't want to terrify our kids. Yeah. You know, we don't want to give them any of our traumas or any of our experiences. They do have to do it on their own, mm. but making sure that we're open and, you know, okay, maybe we can't afford to have pizza night tonight, but so we're, we don't be like, oh no, we can't, we, that's not for us. We can't do that. Like pizza right. too expensive. It's just like, you know what, tonight we're going to do this, but you know, soon, like what we need to do is like save some money Yes, and we'll save for that pizza night. And we talk right. about savings. We talk about, you know, saving for what we want, even if it is something so minor mm-hmm. and then talking about like that boy, right. Toys are so expensive. Yeah. And, and they play with them for like two hours and then they don't yeah. care about them anymore. You're and like, they don't care. <laughs> and you know, so with my kids, like what I do, both my boys, actually my older boys, they are, I have almost seven. He'll be seven in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I have a 10 year old. They both have their own debit card awesome. and it's like a little kid's card. You know, it's all set for children. And with that, we have savings accounts set up on those and they have a spending limit. And I don't give my kids money. If they want money, they've got to do a little work for it. Okay. Not that I want them to think like without extreme hard work, you Mm -hmm. can't have anything. No, but you got to have a little work ethic. Mm -hmm. Helping me with the twin boys, the little ones, or cleaning up some dog poop or Mm -hmm. starting a load of laundry. Like, all right, I'll give you a couple bucks here and there. And out of what you've earned, we're going to put part of that in savings and part of it can stay in a spending account. Wow. So 10 and seven and you're teaching them already. That's so cool. I got to start this. I got to get on the ball. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. I love it. Like we use a company called Greenlight. Okay. I've heard of that. Everything. Yeah. It's, you know, it's really great. And what's cool about it too, is like when you have friends and you talk about it, like if you have an account and your friend doesn't, you send them a code, Mm -hmm. sign up with that code and you both get money for your kids. That's cool. So exactly. when your kids earn it, do you just transfer it to them? So yeah, I have it set up. So you have your parent account that you can keep funded. So say you wanted to know that like you're willing to give between all the kids a hundred bucks in a month mm-hmm. you can move money into your parent spending account there, or you can directly transfer it from your checking account or whatever account. That's you have cool. But so what I do is when we go out and we're at, you know, a, a store or something and they really want the little toy, it's like, I'm not willing to spend my money on it. You know, I know that you're going to get it home and it's going to be super great. And then it's going to be broken or mm-hmm. it's gotten or it's going to be whatever. So if you really want it, you're going to pay for it with your money. Mm-hmm. And I give them the option. Do you really want this? And if that you makes do, them really think, it does. do I want this? Because if mom's buying it, it's like, yeah, I'll take whatever I can get. But if Absolutely. I'm spending my money... That's a whole other story. My daughter is same. she had like $50 for six months and mm-hmm. I was trying the same thing and she wouldn't spend it on anything. I'm like, all right, well, I guess you didn't really want those items. Yeah. And it, it really teaches you something. My, my brother and I did this a little bit when we were younger, my dad, now they gave us way more money than we needed to, you yeah. know, but there was food in the house. We got mom and dad bought all the clothes for school. This was when we were in our teens. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever food was in the house was free to us. 
our school items, mom and dad paid for it. Necessities, mom and dad paid for it. Yeah. But, you know, if we went to the grocery store with mom or dad and they were buying their groceries and I wanted this fancy ramen or I wanted mm-hmm. a candy bar, it was not going on the belt with the groceries for the family. Okay. It was, if you want that, you're paying for that with your money because that's a specialty item that's not necessary. It yeah. Is, don't need it. So now it's your choice. Do you want to spend your hard-earned money or not? Okay. For me, it taught me a lot of what I, the difference between wants and needs. Yes. So important to teach kids, especially. It sounds like boundaries, setting boundaries with your family when it comes to this is, I'm realizing right now my boundaries are not good when it comes to this because (laughs) I do tend to buy my my little ones too much. Mm-hmm. And even when Blue has money, I'll be like, it's okay, save your money, I'll buy it, you know? And I'm not teaching her good skills by doing that. So I have some repairing to do when it comes to my language. I've been trying to change my language too. Like instead of we can't afford that, you know, let's save and, and maybe we'll get it another day. We're just not going to get it today. So yeah, my all growing up, my language was just negative around money. So I I do think that's very common, even for people that did grow up with money. Mm -hmm. We we don't know, like not today. And it wasn't ever a conversation. It was just like, no, we're not going to get that today or no have it. But just kind of really like, and not, you don't even ever have to be like, oh, we have to save for this either. Just the idea of let's think about it. Okay. If we still want this in a week, mm, I like then let's that. readdress it. Yeah. Because most of the time, the Pokemon cards, are they going to remember? In oh my gosh. Those things them? cost me so much money. So she doesn't much. even care about them anymore. They're all over our house. My twin yeah. cards when given the opportunity, but we go to the store and my son's going to ask for them no matter what. You know what? A perfect example of this is my daughter's birthday's coming up and mm-hmm. she, I bought her an Oculus Rift like two years ago for Christmas and she never used it. So I took it back. And now she's like, I want to, I want an Oculus Rift. I'm older and I'll like it. And she, every day that's what she wanted. And they're like $500, you know, like yeah. this is not a cheap present for an eight-year-old. And I was thinking about it, you know, maybe we'll split it with my mom or something. And then yesterday she's like, I don't really want the Oculus Rift anymore. Like, what if I would have already bought it? You know, so that put waiting and thinking about it is effective because especially in their minds in a week, they're not going to give a shit about it. They're, they're developing so fast and so much is changing and right. what's cool and what's not cool. And you know, even just when it comes to like doing activities, you know, both my boys did jujitsu for a very mm-hmm. long time. Then we moved and they're like, we don't want anything to do with jujitsu. We want to do Boy Scouts. Oh, cool. Now we're doing <laughs> Boy Scouts. Very yeah. different. Yeah. My younger, my well, my middle boy, he loves Boy Scouts. He's on a little trip with them right now. My mm-hmm. oldest lasted like six months and he's like, this sucks. Like, I just wanted yeah. to fire. And I was like, Cool. We have three fire pits. <laughs> I just wanted to start a fire. That's yeah. Funny. If you wanted to learn how to build your own fire, then you need to verbalize that. Let's talk. Let's open yeah. our mouths and discuss that because there is literally three fire pits in my backyard mm-hmm. and learn to build a fire together. Yeah. But instead you wanted me to pay a bunch of money, mm-hmm. put you in this program and buy the uniform and 
do yeah. all the things. And now we're to a point where it's like, oh, I think we want to go back to jujitsu. Oh my goodness. I know I'm they're so that. back and forth. And it's like, you know, it's like, okay, but do you really want to? Yeah. Didn't take them last time when they asked to do it. We didn't take them that week. And then like two weeks later, I was like, oh, hey, why don't we go check out this new studio? Mm-hmm. We haven't been to a studio since we've been here in town or the dojo. And they were like, oh, we don't want to go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I'm not paying to put you in any program. Right. right. You're like, we're taking a break. Yeah, I have a question. Time. So yeah. when it comes to sports and, mm-hmm. you know, paying for these things for our kids, do you think it's important for them to know, like, Say for my daughter, for example, my husband bought five sessions with a, her jujitsu. Are they called coaches or trainers? I don't know. I don't know what they're called, but jujitsu coach, right? Yeah. And Blue doesn't want to go. And we're like, we paid $150 for this. We want you, she's like, she doesn't understand that the money, like how much it costs for the time, you know? And it's like, do you actually like explain to that to them? But I don't want to guilt trip her either. Right. And I think that's really hard. And I do discuss that with my children because they know, like we talk, my, my boys will be like, mom, why do you have to work right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I need work so that I can provide for you. And this is how I'm providing for you. Yeah. And we discuss that. And of course it's not like, well, if I didn't work 50 hours this week, I, I can't buy groceries. Like I would never say that to them, but just like, them. like everybody's time is worth something. Right. And so if I say it was coming to your daughter's birthday party, right. And I bought her, I don't know what minimum wage is right now, but let's say 20 bucks, right. Mm-hmm. 20 bucks an hour. And I bought her something that was $20. That's an hour of my life that I spent to work for her. I've seriously never thought of it like that. That's great. And so that's something that I do with my kids that like when they're being a little ungrateful with things. It's like, okay, well, it took me this many hours to get you this that yeah. $500 gift. How many hours did you work to make the money? Right. And because you don't want to guilt trip them because that creates a whole other line, you know, yeah. you want to make them feel like they have to do it. Cause we also don't want to force our children to do things. Right. Kind of letting them know, like, <laughs> When, when we talk about it, this is what you really want. Are you sure mm-hmm. that this is this amount of money mm-hmm. and this amount of money could go to things like whatever, you yeah. know, letting them know the differences mm-hmm. and then also just letting them kind of understand. Cause especially with kids, you know, birthday parties, you get little gifts from some friends and you get big gifts from other friends right? and kids don't seem to understand. And they're just kind of like, Oh, this shitty gift, yeah. whatever. Like this guy is my real friend. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, no, because their family may not be in the same financial space that this family is or yeah. we are, or whatever, but they spent their hard earned time and money. Yes. To get you this little something like we got to be grateful for all of that because no matter what it took time for them to do anything for you. And sometimes mm-hmm. You don't get anything, but we have to be grateful. The fact that they showed up yeah. because they're still taking their time to spend with you exactly. and time is our money. I'm kind of finding that there's opportunity to have these conversations every day with your kids. Yeah. Literally every single thing could turn into a financial conversation. Like, yeah. 
because subconsciously, I feel like we say things that we don't realize about money just all throughout the day. But if you're really being mindful and paying attention to what comes out of your mouth to, especially to your children or to yourself, those thoughts inside your head, that's where the shift really starts when you, but you're right. When you just think in your body, how does it feel and be mindful of what's coming out and what you're hearing inside your head. That's so great. I feel like I have so much to work on now, Marissa. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad we talked. Um, You know, it's funny and it really, it does catapult you into a different area. It does. And again, just like remembering it's okay to have the yucky feelings sometime. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not, that everything doesn't feel good and allowing yourself to sit with that feeling, but we don't want to sit with that feeling. We want to sit with it. We want to support it. And then we want to figure out how to regulate it. Yeah. And let it pass. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. I feel like now I understand, obviously, in ourselves, we heal our money trauma that we have or just money mindset, money beliefs. And then that trickles down to our children. And I definitely don't want my kids to think about money the way I did most of my life. So it starts now. It starts today. You know, I, I can't wait to... I'm going to spot a spot or spot an opportunity to to say something and change my language. And that's all it takes is that practice. It does. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And that will become how you look at it and how you address it. And it takes time. And then also remembering like we are human, right? Yeah. In this body, we're in this time and we are here to make mistakes mm-hmm. and that's okay too. We want to correct the mistakes that maybe we have made or that we are going to make and don't be hard on ourselves and just addressing those like, oh, you know what, actually, let's look at it this way instead. Yeah. And just kind of pulling back because you don't want ever, especially with kids, like, you know, if, if you say it one way and dad says it a different way, Mm -hmm. you also don't want to be like, oh, don't listen to dad. He's got scared money shit. Like. So what dad is saying is this. So let's look at it this way. I love that. And that way you're still that united front. You're still on the same page. We're mm-hmm. just mind reframing so that then the kids really can look at it and be like, okay, so this feeling or this thought could be looked at this way. And it feels a lot better. Yes. Yes. So true. I love that. Just showing a different perspective and seeing how that feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so great. Random question. What's the going rate right now for like, well, how much do you give your kids a week or a month? Cause I'm going to really start doing this, but yeah. <laughs> um, so it depends with my boys generally with each of the kids on a really good week on a really, like they tried, you know, mm-hmm. and that goes like their attitudes their right. attitude towards each other. How much I have to ask. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Hey, can you help me pick up some dog stuff in the backyard or mm-hmm. clear your plates on a really, really high week, especially during summer. Cause we do go out more. Yeah. Get maybe $10 in a week. Awesome. You know, that's 40 bucks a month. That's great. Kids. That's, that's a lot of money when you're seven years old. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But, my daughter would be happy with that. Yeah. And, and it allows them because also like when they, when they like father's day, Mm-hmm. I'm yes. really excited my kids get to be able to buy dad something. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. You got to go to the store. You got to pick it out. 
you bought it, you wrapped it, you gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And it's so much of a different feeling for them to be able to do it than you being like, okay, let's go to the store and buy your dad this. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's their hard earned money. They understand the yeah. worth in it. They understand that they traded their time for it. Yeah. And yeah. Oh my gosh. That changes everything. It really gives obviously. Them yeah. Obviously my three-year-old, I'm not going to give an allowance to yet, but yeah. he definitely needs to learn some better money habits. Cause he thinks, yeah. you know, we just buy everything on Amazon every day we get home. He's like, is there a package? Is there a package? It's like raining packages for him. You know, it's I so think- funny. My middle son, we really started around four of like, there was some bribery happening. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, all right, well, if you can do this for so many days or mm-hmm. for, for two weeks, then we can order this one thing off. Yes, your I do that as well. You know, so we started with that and then around, around five and it was, you know, because I have the oldest yeah, I feel like that helped too because he mm-hmm. was rather getting to earn stuff. Yeah. And he was like, oh, so what do I need to do? And he'd like come out of nowhere and be like, mom, I picked up all the baby toys and I put them all in the bin. And I'm like, that's cool. a win for me. Oh my gosh. Like, here's $2, you know, like that was mm-hmm. awesome. I didn't ask you. I didn't look. I didn't, you went, you did it like out of seven and you didn't come at me with a handout. Mm-hmm. You were like, hey, I did this. That's cool. It's like sweet. Like, Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the time you spent. Mm-hmm. Here's $2. Um, with him, we definitely started like during the school year, you know, they get between like five, usually like five bucks a week. It's not yeah. much, but then like book fairs come around. Yeah. And those and are I expensive. An agreement that I will buy you one to two books, depending on the range, the price range of your book. Yeah. And you get to take your money. And if you want to buy the stupid or the dumb pen, like it's not my say because it's your money. I don't mm-hmm. get to spend it on. Yeah. You spend it there. Know that when we go on this adventure, you're not going to get the candy bar that you want to buy or the exactly. souvenir. And those are some <clears throat> hard lessons too. When you've got mm-hmm. one that's real good and is like, I get to buy this cool souvenir and you've got the other kid that blew all their money. Yeah. It makes you as a parent want to be like, oh, it's okay. I'll just get it for you. Like but this you is can't. not fair, but you have to be like, okay, well, this is why we save money. So we have the money when something like this comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then they have really to actually fair. like feel and experience that consequence of blowing it all. Yeah. And it's, That's, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause I'm always like a softie when it comes to that. It's funny you say book fair. I'm just going to, we're just going to take a couple more minutes, but I'm sure other people can resonate with this because my older kids, I could never get anything from the book fair. It was always like, I wouldn't even look at it because I knew we couldn't afford it. Yep. And my daughter now she's like the book fair. And she it was just never even a question in my mind before and now now that I can look through the magazine and like go through it with her and pick something mm-hmm. it's such a difference it just it was another thing that I realized like okay I'm in such a different place right now even those little tiny things you know that that come up the smallest cool. things just like you know yeah that it, it's okay like we're on a drive and I want to stop and buy this soda like yeah 
it's not a panic anymore. I've been there. You know, I, I literally have slept under the steering wheel in my car for months on end when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I know that feeling of like, I can't go to that gas station to go to the bathroom because they're going to make me buy something. Yeah. Now, do I have enough gas in my car to get across town to go to the one that's going to let me use the bathroom without buying anything mm-hmm. to now being able to like make the choice of, you know, do we drive for another 30 minutes and get home or do we say, okay, we're going to stop and have lunch or dinner here today. Yeah. And yeah. having the ability to do that now is so different because like I said, when I had my 10 year old, we were not any Much you know, different. Call his dad, like, Hey, I have gray hair. Can I buy this $5 box of hair dye? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I see it if, if, if I want it and I really want it, I'm going to get it and I don't feel bad and I don't feel guilty. And I know the universe is going to replenish me with more mm-hmm. and that's okay. And there's always more and there's more than enough for all of us. Yeah. And I was not sure. allowing that guilt to come in that like when you change from not having enough to having enough plus mm-hmm. That guilt creeps in then. Yeah, I've felt it before. Yeah. And not allowing it to sit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, just because you have it or I have it doesn't mean that somebody else can't. Yeah. And sharing your experiences and supporting the people that are still in those places. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it's going to keep giving you more and it's going to allow everybody to get where they want to go in life. Yes. So beautifully said. Something I just will end with is something I've been saying to myself, sort of like an affirmation. And I think it was after I spoke with you at that last event we were at, and it's money flows through me and to me, and there's enough for everyone. And I say that throughout the day when I think about it. And because I've learned that the more it flows through you, you know, you you give it out, it comes back in and it's, you know, this flow. You don't want to hoard your money. You don't want to like be so afraid to spend it or so afraid it's going to run out. You have to like believe that it's coming back and, and really like enjoy that process. So, and I feel a difference from, from saying that to myself daily. I really do. And just, yeah, you know, the, you're opening, your receiving portals. Exactly. And yes. When But when you only receive and you don't give, that actually puts a block to your receiving. Mm -hmm. Allowing that flow, exactly what you're saying. It is what flows in, flows out, and then more flows in and more flows out. That's right. Really feeling into it. Yes. So how can everyone find you if they want to work with you? Are you taking clients or are we are taking clients? Yep. We really right now I am revamping our kind of mindset program, which is all like a pre-recorded program. I'm revamping it and adding some more to it. We're re-releasing that, but we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we got the website up. Always happy to talk and take on and really Laurel and I kind of work together. You have the option to choose your coach or kind of work with us simultaneously at different times. Mm-hmm. And we come, you know, she's definitely a little bit more of analytical and really amazing with spreadsheets and things like that. And mm-hmm. I definitely incorporate more of that body and mindset work into it. Yeah. We create this really beautiful program that 
is completely customized to each person and really addressing what their needs and wants are. And then what parts do we need to really step into to get you into that prosperity mindset and That's bring awesome. that in. I'm signing up. <laughs> it's coming. I know it. I, yes. I need this financial spirituality abundance in my life. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Everybody well, does. Yeah. I will link all of your handles in the show notes. And yeah, this was such an amazing conversation. I'm so glad we've got to talk about money. I know we have so much more to talk about too. So I can't wait to have you back on. I'm looking forward to it. It's always great to talk with you. All right. Bye everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes, share it with your friends and tag me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at healinganddealing.podcast and by joining our Facebook group. Be sure to follow me for inspiration, tips, and exciting news about upcoming episodes. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one or have questions or comments about what you heard today, please email me at healinganddealing.podcast at gmail.com. Your support means the world to me. I'm so grateful to be sharing my voice and the voices of others with you. Now, let's keep healing and dealing. We'll see you in the next episode.